Hey, we're going to be in the book of Revelation. <laughs> the book of Revelation. That's the last book. Should be really easy to find. The book of Revelation. There's no S at the end of this book. Did you know that? There's not Revelations. It's Revelation. We're going to be in chapter 4. So go to the very last book of the Bible. We're going to be in chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4. And uh, we're continuing. If you were here a few weeks ago, we started a new discussion of talks titled Made for More. Made for more. And uh, really, it's just us getting together to discuss what's our purpose. There's a lot of confusion, especially in our culture today, of what are we made to do? Why am I here on earth? Am I here to make money and get a family and do all these crazy things? In fact, the reality is that we are made, as believers of Jesus, we are made for a lot more than just a big house, a big family, and lots of money. So for the next week, today and next week, we're going to discuss this idea. What are we made for? We're made for more. The purpose of our lives is this. So Revelation 4, did you find it? Are you there? Is anyone there? Okay, sweet. Hey, so we're going to be in verse 4, let me, uh, 11, verse 11, but let me give you a little bit of context. So the book of Revelation is a crazy book. It's about the end times. Anyone excited about the end times? It's about the end times, what happens when Jesus comes back. And verse 4 particularly is about worship in heaven. What will worship looks like, look like when Jesus comes back? And John is describing this scene where these elders take their crown off and they, they put it before the feet of Jesus. Do you remember what we talked about last time about how he must increase, Jesus must increase, but I must decrease? You remember that? So these elders are put, taking their crowns off and putting it at the feet of Jesus in an act of humility. And they say something like this. They say, you are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and they exist because you created what you pleased. They exist because you created what you pleased. <clears throat> Have you ever been to a, a school dance before? Anyone been to a school? Show of hands. Who's been to a school dance before? Um, I'm convinced that there's no more evil institution ever created than a school dance. Really? Like, I just want to like, what, how, how did that idea come up? Like a bunch of guys gathered around in a group being like, hey, okay, you guys, listen, listen. School's a little bit too boring. Not very exciting. What can we do to spruce things up a bit? Like this is the conversation I imagine happening. How, what can we do to spruce things up a bit? We need to make things a little bit more exciting, a little bit more fun. You know, we need to come up with a school-sponsored activity that features some inappropriate behavior in a very tight, congested space with some inappropriate music. Like, that's, let's do that. And I'm sure the, like, the guy in the back, I've got it, school dance, huh? And they're like, yeah, school dance, brilliant. Except it's the most evil thing on planet Earth. I remember one time in high school, I went to a school dance. I can't remember if it was uh, homecoming dance or winter form. I really don't remember. I've tried to block it out of my mind. But it was about that time in my life where I was like coming out of my shell a little bit as a high schooler. I used to be awkward, by the way, used to be awkward. Anyway, so I, I was, I decided, for, for whatever reason, I decided that at this dance, I was going to come out of my shell. Like, what a great opportunity. It's about to go down. So I, I, I kept thinking of, like, what can I do? What can I do to make an impression? What can I do? I thought, like, I could wear a crazy suit, buy a really expensive suit, like, a, have you seen, like, a camo suit, like, duct tape suit? What's wrong with those people? Uh, I thought, like, that. I was like, no, I can't do that. Like, maybe some crazy hair, paint my hair. Like, that would make an impression. I was like, no, that's not it. And then it hit me. If I'm going to make an impression at a school dance, it's going to be on the dance floor. That's what I decided right then and there. And so I kept thinking to myself, what can I do? Like, what moves can I bust to make this thing land? 
And it was like 2007. Do you remember like Crank That Soldier Boy? Anybody in this room remember that? <laughs> it's an embarrassing memory. So I tried it out, but good news, good news is like, no, that's not for me. I'm not going to crank that. And it's like way too known. It's like, I need something unique. I need something that's going to just blow people's minds. And then it finally hits me. If I'm going to blow people's minds on the dance floor, I've got to unleash the worm. Have you ever seen the worm before? Have you ever seen the worm? It's this where you get, (laughs) I'm not going to do it. I like broke my kneecaps last time I did this. Zero percent chance. So basically you get on the ground, you jump on the ground and you like do this with your body. Have you ever seen this? Yeah, come on. Give us, give a little preview of the worm. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. What's your name? Jeremiah. Say it to the, say it to the people. Jeremiah. Go, Jeremiah. Go, Jeremiah. Jeremiah. Oh! My kneecaps hurt just watching that. My goodness, Jeremiah, you're a legend, my friend. (laughs) We'll have you come up and do that later again. Anyways, that's what I decide to do. And so the dance comes, and like every dance, like it's slow to get starting, you know, music's playing, and... and, uh, Finally, people, as the night goes on, the music starts getting better, and people start getting onto the dance floor. And then at every party, there's the inevitable dance circle. Have you ever seen the dance circle? It's like where people are, like, daring each other to get in the center, and they're like, oh, oh. no, nah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, nah, I'm not about it. Like, right? That's the dance circle. It's like, what's wrong with these people? Anyways, it's at the end of the night. I'm like, if this is about to happen, it's got to happen now. So I legitimately, like, bust through the dance circle, right? I'm like, it's my time to shine. Right now is the time. And I like do a few, you know, a few of these. And then, I mean, I unleash the worm, y'all. I unleash it. And legitimately, people are like losing their minds. Like, it's awesome. People are like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. The problem is, I wasn't keeping track of how far I was traveling. And I didn't see the table behind me. And so I, and it was full of fruit punch. Like this is the craziest. So of course I destroy this table, like crash into it. Look like the biggest idiot in the world. And, and I, people are like laughing at me. I don't want to think about it anymore. But anyways, it was super embarrassing. <laughs> uh, and it just became a disaster. And I remember thinking all I wanted to do was like impress people. All I wanted to do was like be known and like accepted into this friend group. That's all I wanted to do. I just wanted to be accepted. Why, Jesus, did this happen? What is it about people? What is it about humanity that we desire acceptance so much? Like we do stupid stuff to do. Has anyone done something dumb just to impress someone? What is it about us as humanity that does dumb stuff so that we will feel like we fit in and are accepted? I think we do it in a lot of ways. Like some of us want to feel accepted by what we post online so that we can get lots of likes. Some of us are DMing a boy or a girl so that we can gain some sort of affection. Some of us are really sure about what we wear so that we can be really cool and get complimented. Some of us like to do crazy stuff with our hair so that we can get attention. Some of us use particular language around people so that they think we're really cool and in it. Some of us will listen to certain music around people so that we have credibility. What is it about humanity that we will do whatever it takes to fit in and feel accepted? I don't know what it is about, like, for you specifically in your own story. But the reality is that our desire for acceptance is really just a deep-needed desire to be known, to be seen, and to be loved. 
Our desire to fit in and to impress people is just based around three things. Our desire to be known, to be seen, and to be loved. Would you believe me if I told you that our purpose is intertwined with those three things? To be known, to be seen, to be loved. You see, some of us, uh, we kind of have the character of God twisted a little bit. We think that if we do enough good things, God's going to like us. Or if, if we go to church enough, God's going to be happy with us. Or if, you know, if I just read my Bible more, or if I prayed more, God would be way happier with me. But I'm here to tell you tonight that that is not the truth at all. You, he created you not to just do good things. He created you not just to go to church and be a good church. Attend. That's not why he created you. You were purposed for God's pleasure. The first thing I want you to understand, if you're taking notes, I want you to write that down. You were purposed for God's pleasure. Let's look back at Revelation chapter 4, verse 11. It says, you are worthy, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things. I need you to turn to your neighbor and say, hey, neighbor. <laughs> they didn't hear you. Turn to the other neighbor and say, hey, hey other neighbor. <laughs> I, I don't, I'm not usually right. Say it, come on. I'm not usually right, but I feel confident about this. <laughs> He's talking about you. Okay, so let's read it again. For you created all things. We're done. Come on, hold on. Y'all are great listeners. For God created all things, and they exist because you created what you pleased. I want to do just a quick exercise here. I want to replace that, and I want you to repeat after me. God, you created me. And I exist because you created what you pleased. Isn't that a crazy thought? That God created you. God formed you so that he could enjoy you. God creates what he enjoys and he created you. You see, in our race to be more popular and more accepted and more known and more seen and more loved, we forget that it's already happened. We're so busy chasing those things from other people that we have forgotten that that race is already completed. It's already done. End of story. We have already won the affection of God. We've already done it. You see, When we don't believe that we have received the unconditional affection of God, we will seek out the temporary acceptance of man. I'm going to say that again because that was good. I'm going to say it one more time. What happens when we don't really believe that I have received the unconditional affection of God, then I will begin to seek out the temporary attention and acceptance of man. I can't tell you how many times in my own life that I've operated out of this insecurity that I'm not liked. There are still times I struggle with that today. This insecurity that no one likes me, that somebody doesn't like me. And there's nothing more, I still struggle with this, there's nothing more that I want than people to like me. And what will happen is when that becomes my God, I will put on this mask 
and pretend to be somebody I was never meant to be to impress those who don't even care about me. What happens when we really don't believe that you have already won God's affection? That's it, end of story. You don't have to impress anyone. When you forget that, what happens is we begin to seek the acceptance of someone else. Some of you in this room are really, really discouraged uh, because you felt insignificant in your life. Maybe you're still in that season right now where you have felt a deep insignificance or you feel forgotten or you felt unloved or you feel like you have no purpose. But tonight, I just want to tell you three quick things. Can I do that? Just three quick things. I want to remind you about tonight, if that's you. Number one is that God knows you. God knows you. Psalm 139, it says this. O Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. I want to remind you tonight, if you are feeling forgotten or maybe lost in the crowd, that you are not forgotten. God has not forgotten your struggles. He has not forgotten your name. He knows you. That's number one. Number two is that God sees you. Look at verse three. It says this, you see me when I travel and when I rest at home and you know everything that I do. Skip down to verse 15 of Psalm 139. It says, you watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. There's some of you guys in this room who at one point or another have felt totally invisible. No one knows me. No one cares about me. No one sees me. God, I just feel total. I don't even feel like you're close. I feel totally invisible. I'm here to tell you tonight that God sees you. He has seen every tear. He has seen every heartbreak. God knows you. God sees you. He hasn't forgotten about you. That's number two. He sees you. Number three, I want you to write this down, is that God loves you. Let's go back up to verse one of Psalm 139. It says this, Oh Lord, you have examined my heart. You know everything about me. We've already read this. And you know when I sit down or stand up, you know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. Like, if you're anything like me, that's really scary stuff. Like, God, you know everything I do. I do some dumb stuff. God, you know what I'm going to say before I say it. You know my thoughts. I think some dumb stuff sometimes, God. I'm sorry. You see me when I travel. You see me when I'm home. You know when I'm sleeping. You know when I'm awake. You know if I've been bad or good. Oh, my goodness. He knows everything. Does that scare anyone else in this room? Like to examine your life when no one's looking and being like, man, I'm dumb. I do some dumb stuff and God knows it. Like that can be a scary thought. But I want us to look at verse 5. God, you know everything. You go before me and you follow me. Yet you place your hand of blessing on me. Guys, here's what I want you to understand is that God knows everything about you. Everything. What you did last night, oh, he knows. That person you talked to online, oh, he knows. 
The way you talked to your parents the other day, oh, he heard it. Yet his response is to place his hand of blessing on us. He knows everything about you, your hopes and your dreams and your desires. He knows them and he sees them. That mask that you've been putting on so no one will know how broken you are inside or that tough persona that you've been putting on so that no one will ever know what's really happening in your life. God sees right through it. He sees right through that mask you've got on. He sees right through that wall that you built up. And he says, I know everything because I created you. And I created you simply to be loved by me. All you have to do is receive it. We complicate our purpose so much, don't we? Oh man, what am I on earth to do? I gotta make sure my bank account looks good. I gotta make a big family. I gotta have a sweet job. I gotta look cool too while I'm doing it. It's so, so simple. All we have to do is be loved by him. Okay, here's the, here's the truth. I lied to you. I, I lied a little bit. I said that there were only three things I want to talk to you about. There's actually four, but don't, like, don't hold that against me. I want to surprise you. Uh, so there's, four, there's a fourth thing. And I think sometimes when we hear this idea that God knows you, God sees you, God loves you, we're like, oh my gosh, I've heard that a million times. <laughs> I, I know that. I just don't care. Like we hear it so many times that it's like, okay, I get it. God knows me, and you love me, whatever. But have you ever thought about this? That the love of God is just the beginning point because God actually delights in you. He actually delights in you. I want to read Psalm 18. It says this. It says he reached down from heaven and, talking about God. God reached down from heaven and rescued me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemies, from those who hated and were too strong for me. They attacked me at a moment when I was in distress, but the Lord supported me. He led me to a place of safety. Listen to this. He rescued me. Why? Because he delights Guys, listen to me. In the midst of all the chaos of your life, and I'm sure if I asked you to raise your hand, if you've got some chaos in your life, everyone would raise. In the midst of all of that, in the midst of everything you have messed up on, and like, I'm not going to ask anyone to raise their hand if they messed up because all of our hands will be raised. In the midst of all of that, I want you to understand in all of your mess, God actually delights in you. Not because of anything that you have ever done. Not because your life has been squeaky clean. Not because you've been to like 10 outreaches this month or anything like that. God delights in you because he made you. Our purpose is just to receive it. Just receive it. You were made to be loved there's a i made an announcement a few weeks ago that mandy and i are having a child so surprise if you didn't know that this isn't about me stop it i'm just kidding keep coming so mandy and i are having a child and uh, here's the crazy thing we don't know the gender we don't know the name we, we don't know anything about this baby this baby has done nothing it's just floating in fluid right now but can you imagine can you imagine how much mandy and i already love this child 
who has done absolutely nothing except be created. We're reading this book right now. It's embarrassing that we're reading to our child already, but we are. It's called Pure Joy. Literally every night we read to baby Colum. We believe that babies from the moment of conception have a spirit and their spirit will respond to God. And so we actually see that in the Bible where John the Baptist feed us baby John the Baptist flips in joy in response to Jesus. So we believe that that babies, even in the stomach, have the spirit to respond to Jesus. And so we read these truths over our baby. And so I wanted to read one to you because we read it the other night. Are we nerdy for doing this? So here's how we start every time. It says, child, I call your spirit to attention in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we always say this, listen as I read the word of God to you. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who works in you to will and act according to his good purposes. Then it gives a description. This is what I really wanted to read to you tonight. It says, Our creator God has made everything. Nothing can be created without him. And the birth of each new life is the evidence of his continuing, continuing handiwork and creativity. Each child he knits together in the womb bears his fingerprints. He rejoices in designing and molding and shaping you. You are his creation, and he is proud to call you so. He is proud to call you his creation. Why? Because what does Revelation 4.11 say? He creates what he enjoys, and he created you. And our purpose is simple. Just receive it. We were made for love. Let's bow our heads. I want to pray for us real quick.